Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 let's talk tight ends today. Let's talk some must-draft tight ends today. And this is not the video, very similar to the running back video that very recently released on this channel, and I'm sure that that video will get a good amount of views. I'm not sure this one will draw the exact same amount of attention, but I know that the the loyal fantasy football one following of mine, but also people who care a lot about the sport and care about every single position, and not just the positions that are a little bit sexier in running back and wide receiver when it comes to your fantasy football draft. A lot of people know, wait on the quarterback if you're not choosing one of the big ones. A lot of people know, hey, tight end, who cares so much if you're not taking Travis Kelsey or Kittle? And honestly, even Mark Andrews, the casual player, probably sleeps on a little bit as well. So these videos don't usually get as many views. So what I'm going to need you to do as a loyal viewer right now watching this is smash that like button right now if you're here. And if you're brand new to the channel, welcome to my channel. My name is Sal Vetri. I cover fantasy sports, a variety of different sports from just season long to daily fantasy sports here at DFS side. We're buckling down right now. We're strapping on the roller coaster. We're going up the mountain because we're getting very, very close to that fantasy football season. When you go down, straight down the drop, it's going to be a load of fun. And today I'm going to be talking about must draft tight ends. And, and, and very similar to the running back video that just released. And if you haven't yet, I'll pop up the thumbnail for that one. Go and check that out. That's going to be very helpful. That is the June 2020 must draft running backs. The reason that I say the month in there is because come August, yes, there's going to be some news. Uh, the preseason right now is up in the air. If there's going to be four weeks or two weeks. So by the end of August, we might not have a preseason instead of the middle of August. But at some point, we're going to have camps. We're going to get more news. We're going to get the, the daunted coach speak of some players rising up the depth charts like Daryl Henderson Jr. into the fifth round last year, only to play on a measly 2% of the snaps. I'm not even joking about that last year. We'll have more information. And when there's more information, there's more data to be able to use for these players and their projections and rankings for myself. So it'll change them. So there'll be a must draft video, probably honestly, maybe at the end of July or some point in August too, because we need to update everything as of right now. But when it comes to tight ends, my interests, if anything, have only increased in very similar amounts of players. And right now I want to give you a couple of my must draft tight ends. And I should point out that this is not going to be me listing off Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, right? I'm not listing off the best tight end Zach Ertz in the game. That's not what this video is. I'm trying to give you value. I'm trying to find your Darren Waller from last year. Now, if you watched some of my, con- some of my content last year, maybe some others, you found Darren Waller as a free agent. You found Darren Waller as a guy you can get in the last round of your drafts. I do think there's tight ends like that. If you're going to be playing in a 14 or 16 round league this year, I do think there's guys that you could be taking in those 14 to 16 rounds that have top 10 upside, that flash top five potential upside this year, because I'll be completely honest with you. After the first four tight ends, maybe you can tell me the first six tight ends. You want to throw Waller and Evan Ingram in there if we assume they all stay healthy. After those first six tight ends, tight end seven through tight end like 20 to 24, there's a lot of wiggle room in there to the point where your tight end 18 in your rankings can very easily be your tight end seven because mainly it's a difference of like one to two touchdowns. So there's a lot of wiggle room in there when it comes to projections. And I want to give you the guys that currently are being taken way too low, or at least in my opinion, I have them ranked higher and guys that I think are just only going to rise up the draft boards as the summer goes on. So whenever you're watching this right now, jot down these players' names, jot down some reasons if you need to. Also tell a friend, maybe not in your specific league, about these videos. It's the best way to spread the word of the content that I'm putting in here every single day. These videos take around five to six hours to create. So the best way to support me for free is just hitting that like button big old subscribe button just popped up on the screen. And the other thing that I will mention is that the Supreme Draft Guide is now out. It is up and you can get it for just $10. All information down below. Thank you to Monkey Knife Fight sponsoring the draft guide this year. It cuts the price from $30, which is the retail price right now to $10 because of their promotion. Everything's going to be in there in terms of rankings, in terms of tiers. Tiers are a great way to be doing your drafts. Player profiles on over 120 and close to 150 players right now. Every single rookie ranking, every single rookie profile that was drafted in the draft that has a meaningful position for fantasy football purposes statistics, key data models, all those things are in there. And it's just going to be $10. I personally 
help of some other people with the website. But me personally, I've spent about three to four months on that draft guide. So be sure to check it out. That's way another way to support the channel here. So what do you say we get into this deep dive? And we'll start with the Miami Dolphins tight end, former second round pick out of Penn State. Got to watch this man in person myself while there for about two to three years. Mike Jacecki. And Mike Jacecki last year ended up producing 69.5% of the snaps for 51 receptions on 89 targets, a 15% rate, 570 yards, and a nice five touchdowns. Now I want to take you through the splits of Mike Gusecki. And I'm going to be taking you through three different uh, Gusecki splits because there's different things to be looking at here. You can look at his final six games of the year when he was the tight end six in fantasy football. During that time, and I'll put up a Rotoviz split right now, he had overall 20 receptions, 248 yards, and four touchdowns during that time. These are what the per game splits look like for his first nine games compared to his final six games. Big thing that you can see is that his fantasy points per game more than double at that point, but his receptions pretty much stay the same. Now he does see an uptick in receptions. He goes from 3.1 to 3.8, but for the most part, he gains around 0.7 receptions per game. Nothing crazy, but his receiving touchdowns are really go up. I mean, he ends up scoring in those final games, just all of his touchdowns. He scores no touchdowns in the first nine games of the season, and he ends up scoring them all in those final six weeks of the season. His targets were the big thing that increased. Ryan Fitzpatrick started to throw his way more. A big reason why is Preston Williams, which is another split that we'll look at when he was injured, but his targets overall go from 4.7 to 7.7. He increases by three targets per game. So the volume's starting to increase. And when the volume increases, targets downfield were increasing. His contested catch rate, something that he was known for coming out of college, started to really break through this season for Mike Gusecki. He went from 32.6 receiving yards per game to 46 receiving yards. So he saw three more targets per game, a little under one more reception per game, much more touchdown usage in those final six games, final third or so of the season. And he ended up seeing somewhere around 14 receiving yards more per game. Now let's look at a couple more splits here. What this is pretty much telling us is that he started to do really well down the stretch. Now let me throw up a split here, which is just a halfway point for Mike Jacecki. He only played in 15 games. So the first seven games are with Preston Williams. The final eight games are without Preston Williams. The wide receiver who tore his ACL last year, undrafted free agent Preston Williams, who was an absolute beast the first eight games. He was actually performing better than Devontae Parker in every single statistical category that matters from stat sheets for fantasy purposes and touchdowns and red zone usage and yardage and receptions and targets, all those things he was performing better than Devontae Parker at before getting injured last year in Miami. But in the first seven games, Mike Gusecki was not doing really anything at all. It was your very standard like tight end 25 performance every single week, which was pretty much every single tight end outside like the top six guys who scored touchdowns that week. Uh, he would get you like three catches for 30 yards, right? 6.5 fantasy points per game. He was averaging three receptions for 35 yards on about 4.4 targets per game. That's with Preston Williams in there. Obviously, then you also still have Devontae Parker during that time. Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns rotating out of the slot. But then you get Preston Williams getting hurt and the full eight games, the full second half of the season with no Preston Williams. Mike Jacecki really taking on the number two wide receiver role, if you will. He started to play a ton out of the slot. I mean, this was elite slot usage for Mike Gusecki. He was the number one slot usage tight end last year for those final eight games. He averaged a close to double the amount of fantasy points, five more fantasy points per game with no Preston Williams on the field. He averaged about 0.75 more receptions. He saw about three more targets and he saw about five more yards per game. So the big thing was that the touchdown started to increase as well. Like Preston Williams red zone role of 37%, which was number two in the NFL, only behind uh, Devontae Adams had to go somewhere else. And it kind of got distributed amongst a bunch of guys, but Mike Gusecki was somebody who clearly benefited from that. Now I'll throw up some more stats onto the screen that I was able to dig up. Miami did throw the fourth most times last year per game. And this is something that's going to naturally regress in my opinion. They have a better offensive line. They potentially will be starting Tua, which is likely a better quarterback at some point this year, maybe not right away in his rookie season than Fitzpatrick, but should be at some point, at least serviceable and an above average level quarterback with the draft capital that he was taken at and the hype around him. And then also their running game is just going to get better. Like this is the big one. They now have two veteran running backs in Jordan Howard and Matt Breida that they got in free agency, which we'll talk about their additions there. And then number two, the the second big one, if you will, is the fact that they improved their offensive line. They just naturally did. They're going to be better there. This team in general will be better. So the reason that they had to throw a top five in the league last year and run the least amount 
amount of times per game, yes, 32nd ranked, was because their offensive line one just stunk and they were getting behind in games. If they're not behind in games as much, they're going to throw less. Preston Williams is going to come back. So the overall market share and the overall volume of targets for Gusecki might drop. But then there's the argument that no, he's just actually starting to break out and really starting to produce maybe a potential top five season and be a guy who demands targets in this offense out of the slot, converts into that Gronk type of slot usage role. Although he's much slimmer and has a more sleek build than Gronk and probably a little bit more versatile downfield is Mike Gusecki. So lots of things you like to see there. He ranked seventh in targets among tight ends with 89 last year, 13th in fantasy points per game overall at 9.1. So that's pretty good. He was a beast contested catch artist in college. I love watching his contested catch tape. Just look at Mike Gusecki catch highlights in college. Like every single highlight is going to be him going up against one or two DBs and just absolutely mossing them. And then he was seventh in route participation with 71.6%. And again, he was number one in slot usage amongst tight ends the second half of the season. Pretty beastly. Now let's take a look at his Vegas odds because Vegas obviously is very good. They set a market. So people get confused. Oh, Vegas is Houdini. How do they know this stuff? Vegas sets a line. They set the line for the market. The market comes in and influences that line. So at the end of the day, the people who have a lot of money and are very good at betting on sports, they actually are the ones, if anything, who are setting that line and putting it in place because of the influence that they have with their dollar dollar bills, y'all. Mike Gusecki right now, as you can see in this picture, and I'll kind of voice a lot of it for the people on the podcast version, he's projected right now uh, on Vegas, 56 and a half over under for his reception, 649 receiving yards over under and four and a half touchdowns over under. Now, if we just take all of those numbers right there, right, we take the median, the 56 and a half receptions, the 649 yards and the 4.5 touchdowns. If we take all of those numbers, it puts Mike Gusecki right around somewhere around 145 fantasy points. 145 fantasy points last year would have finished as a tight end 10 and it would have been a five fantasy point difference. So like one more tight end from finishing as a top eight tight end. But Mike Gusecki currently is going off the board in PPR formats as a tight end 15 or tight end 14, depending on the site that you look at. I currently have him ranked as my tight end 11. So I'm much closer to what these Vegas odds are projecting than the public. And if anything, I want to be higher on Mike Gusecki always in the public. So I feel good about where we are right now. If you're following along my videos, one, uh, hit the like button, subscribe button, big old one pops up on the screen. But also if you're following along with the Supreme Draft Guide, you're going to be getting Mike Gusecki way before he starts coming off the board on average in your drafts. And that's a good thing. That's what we want. So based on these numbers, these are medians. Now, what if Mike Gusecki goes over and this year he has 59 receptions? He has 100, right? This, that's obviously there's two sides of it. He can go over, he can go under. That's the whole point of the Vegas odds. But if we just take that median number where they're projecting him at, Vegas is saying that Mike Gusecki is going to be finishing amongst all the other guys that I was looking at as well, somewhere around a top 10, top 12 tight end, but he's going right around the top 15 range right now. So I think he's a little bit of tier above what a lot of other people are expecting out of him. You can see all of his measurables right here on playerprofiler.com. I mean, he has the speed, he has the contested, the contested catch, he has the catch radius, the speed score. This is an athletic freak, a former second round pick. And I think he's really getting in a position this year where he can potentially break out. Now, last year, he was using Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had 33.5 attempts per game, who was always able to sustain wide receivers wherever he goes. You can date it all the way back to him playing, I believe, in Buffalo with like Stevie Johnson when he was back there and Fred Jackson in that offense. Uh, Tampa Bay, of course, before he ended up getting flip-flopped out with Jameis Winston. This is a guy who can always sustain wide receiver production, 235.3 yards per game and tight end production, 20 touchdowns, seventh most air yards completed last year. Now there's obviously the question of when does Tua come in? In my opinion, Tua should start right away. It seems like he's healthy. It seems like he's more than healthy from all the reports that are coming out. But we'll see what actually happens there. But if Tua is going to be good and Mike Gusecki is this athletic freak out of college and tight ends take a year or two to get into form. And that's exactly what's happening with Mike Gusecki. Last year, we started to see the breakout over those final few games. I think we're about to see it even more. To give you another split from Rotoviz, here's his final three games last year where he was the tight end three. Now, obviously, I'm looking at very small samples and I'm almost picking them apart right now. But these are the final three games of the season. When he starts to break out, he was breaking out even later into the season as it kept going on. In those final three games, he averaged 16.1 fantasy points per game. You can see right here compared to 7.48 the first 12 games. And then he was getting one touchdown per game. So he scored a touchdown per game in those final three. So that's the reason why you're going to be seeing uh, his, his splits be so much 
much higher here, but he ended up also seeing about 54 receiving yards per game to compared to just 33.9 for the first 12. He ended up seeing 1.5 more receptions per game, and he saw nine targets per game over the final three games compared to five targets per game over the first 12. So the man really was breaking out towards the end of the year last year. And yes, we talked about Preston Williams influencing that, but I do think that Gusecki is just a special talent above all else that he's going to command targets no matter what in this offense and no matter who the quarterback is. Now, this is what the Dolphins did over the offseason, and I already mentioned it. They improved their offensive line via the draft and they got Tua. They improved their just running ability and rushing offense because it's not going to be Patrick Laird and and Kalen Balaj at this point and just dumpster fires of running backs, in my opinion. It's going to be veterans and Jordan Howard and Matt Burita, who are nothing exceptional, but without a doubt, they're better than what they were last year. They lose in free agency, just some offensive linemen, some depth wide receivers. So for the most part, what you can expect out of this Miami team is at some point, Tua being playing a much better offensive line than what they had last year and a much better running game than what they had last year because last year was just a dumpster fire when it came to the O-line and their overall running game. Now, if we want to look at the target competition, we can, and it's going to mainly be from the tight end position. It's Durham Smythe, it's Chandler Cox, it's Michael Roberts right now. So you can obviously see there's no threat of the other tight ends in this team taking away pass catching duties in the slot usage from Mike Gusecki. 0% chance in my opinion. But then you have Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson, and Alan Hearns still on this team as of right now. Devontae Parker played on 88% of the snaps last year, finishes like a top 12, top 10 wide receiver. He had over 1,200 yards on 72 receptions and nine touchdowns, so a 21% target share. And you have Preston Williams, who got hurt after eight games or in that eighth game. He played on 84.6% of the snaps when he was healthy, 32 receptions on 60 targets, also a 21% target share, 428 yards and three touchdowns. He was number two in the NFL, only behind Devontae Adams with a 37% market share of targets in the red zone. What that means was, out of all the other players, all the other receivers and tight ends, he was targeted 37% of the time when you factor in everybody's targets in the red zone for Miami for those eight weeks. Only Devontae Adams in the entire NFL had a better usage in the red zone at 39% with Aaron Rodgers. So give me Mike Kosecki right now. I'm going to be above market. and I'm going to continue to be above market on this athletic freak of a tight end. I really do like him. He's a must draft tight end number one go and get him. The second tight end for you right now might be somebody that you're saying, eh, Sal, I don't want to be drafted anything of the Tennessee Titans offense. They're a run first offense. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, the offensive line and the draft got improved after they lost Jack Conklin in free agency. I get all that. But this guy is being taken way too low. He's currently going off the board in a lot of consensus spots. Is like the tight end 20. At the highest I've seen him on some sites is like tight end 17. John Smith is a top 15 tight end for me this year. And if anything, he has the upside as those later round guys. And there's a lot of them this year. Mike Gusecki is kind of one of them, but he'll go before the 14th round or so. John Smith is somewhere around that range that you can get him as your tight end one in like the 13th, the 14th round, somewhere around there, depending on how deep and how many people are in your league. And I think that's a really good pick because I think the upside for him is immense this year. Now you think back of last year, Ryan Sandhill was fantastic with play action passing. He was extremely efficient. He was able to sustain two insanely efficient players, not even in the running game with Derrick Henry, but in the passing game in Jonu Smith and AJ Brown last year. Now, what happens if they just have to throw more? What happens if the 1500 yards isn't there on the ground for Derrick Henry because teams just stop it or they start trailing more often? If that's the case, Ryan Tannehill, at least last year, showed that he can pass the ball when he needs to. He can pile up 300 yard games when he needs to. He can go toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in the regular season and put up points when he needs to. And if that just happens a little bit more. And if anything, that's going to happen more compared to them running more just based on last year, they ran so much already. John o. Smith is going to benefit from it. So last year, John o. Smith played on 74.1% of the snaps, as you can see on the screen right now, and 35 receptions on 45 targets for an 11% target share, 439 yards and three touchdowns.
touchdowns. He obviously was not heavily, heavily used in the offense, on an offense that just didn't pass the ball a ton, and just in general, never really used their talent until the second half of the season, i.e. A.J. Brown, i.e. Jonu Smith. He finished as a tight end 20, though, last season. So a top 20 tight end, even in a season where he's really not used for, honestly, the first month of the season, 6.5 fantasy points per game and 104.7 total fantasy points. But look at how efficient this guy was on 45 target low volume. He was eighth amongst all tight ends in Yak with 277 yards after the catch. He was eighth in yards per reception at 12.5. He was second in yards per target, extremely efficient at 9.8. He was third in fantasy points per target at 2.33, second in tight end separation. So he was being extremely efficient. He was getting 2.41 yards of separation per route run, fourth in catch percentage. So he's got good hands. He's getting separation and he's being extremely efficient out there on his routes run, getting good targets downfield. This is fantastic. He's an athletic freak who can get separation, can catch the ball and get downfield. That's exactly what we love to see out of tight ends. All those numbers were extremely efficient. And we could talk about a little bit later on how AJ Brown was extremely efficient because Ryan Tannehill and this play action passing off of Derrick Henry was very, very efficient. But let's just look at Jonu Smith last year. I mentioned that he had saw about 6.6 fantasy points per game overall, and he pretty much finished as like the tight end 20. Now the difference between tight end 20 and tight end like 12 is just two fantasy points per game. And you can kind of see that in this picture right here by Rotovis. Jonu Smith was not really using the first month of the season. So those first three games, because he played in 15, games, Jonu Smith in those first three games averaged just 2.7 fantasy points per game. All he did was pretty much catch one or two passes for pretty much 10 yards, didn't have a touchdown in those first three games. First month of the season, he just wasn't playing all that often. But if you look at the final 12 games, and it's nothing outstanding, or at least it doesn't pop out as being outstanding, but in the final 12 games, he saw two times the amount of targets, 1.6 to 3.3. He saw two times the amount of receptions from 1.3 to 2.6. He also ended up running the ball a couple of times, one for a very long rushing touchdown. He went from 10.6 receiving yards per game to 30. 33.9. So his targets and receptions doubled uh, compared to the first three games to the final 12 on a per game average. His receiving yards tripled. So he's being targeted more often. They were using him more and using him more downfield. They finally kind of found out how to use the guy. And he ended up actually scoring all of his touchdowns in those final 12 games and none of them in the first three. So what happened? What does this show you? Well, it shows you that he would have finished up a pace of 129 fantasy points and 129 fantasy points last year for tight ends would have ranked right around the tight end 12 at his position. If you take out just him literally not sucking, but just not being used the first month of the season and then him having an injury. So this is a guy who last year had the production for the final three months of the season where everybody is really keeping an eye on things as a top 12 tight end but he's currently going as a tight end 17. And the way that I look at it this year, if anything, they're going to throw the ball more. So yeah, maybe his efficiency drops a little bit because he was highly efficient. And so was Tannehill and AJ Brown and this entire offense in general last year. But even if the efficiency drops, what if he's just good, right? What if he's just very good and that continues to happen and he sees more volume and the efficiency drops, but he's seeing overall more volume. So the overall points are going to come up. So I'm not looking for John Smith to beat Travis Kelsey this year. I do think he has the upside to be a top five tight end if he could put up like an eight touchdown season. But even if he just does what he did last year, he's going to finish within the top 15 tight ends. He was already doing that last year. But what happens if his offense and himself take a step forward? He's going to push for a top 12 or a top 10 tight end. So I currently have Johnny Smith uh, much higher than the tight end 17 where he's going at right now, which makes him a must draft for me. And you can see in the offseason what they did. They pretty much just franchise tag Derrick Henry, which they're talking about a long-term deal with him. They re-sign Ryan Tannehill. So they bring the band back together, if you will. The major losses were Marcus Mariota, who signs as a backup now with the Raiders. Uh, Jack Conklin was a big one and Deion Lewis. They replaced Deion Lewis in the draft though with Darrington Evans, a third round running back pick. They lose Tajay Sharp, who I think signed with the Minnesota Vikings. And then they lose Delaney Walker, who just hits free agency and has still not been signed. The biggest things for John U. Smith, not much there outside of just Delaney Walker now officially being out of this offense and John U. Smith officially being the guy there. And that's something else to point out. Delaney Walker was just often injured last year, uh, but he was another reason why John U. Smith really could not break out earlier on in his career. Now, the exact target competition is going to be a few guys and really not much here. This is a very compressed offense when you look at it. It's A.J. Brown. It's going to be
be a second year player who broke out last year, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. That's not a lot of competition for John U. Smith. Now, AJ Brown last year, very similar to John U. Smith, was extremely efficient. He played on 72% of the snaps, just 52 receptions, but he still went over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns on 84 targets, and 19.5% target share. And this is where the efficiency comes in. Amongst all receivers last year, AJ Brown was third in the NFL in yards per reception at 20.2, second in yards per route run, second in yards per target, and second in fantasy points per target. He was just extremely efficient in this offense. The play action passing from Ryan Tannehill was on fire. Somebody who couldn't take advantage of that and really has in his whole time in the NFL was Corey Davis. Just 80.9% of the snaps, he saw 16.8% of the target share, but he only produced a measly 601 yards and two touchdowns on 43 receptions. And then you have Adam Humphreys, the slot receiver, who did miss about a month of the season, four games, but he still produced 37 receptions on 47 targets, a 14.6% target share, a game-winning touchdown in one of those weeks as well. He had 374 yards and two touchdowns. So John Smith, for me, is a guy that I look at last year and just say, I mean, this guy was pretty much a top 15 tight end last year, in my opinion. I know the raw numbers say that he finished tight end 20, but the weeks that he actually played as a starting tight end in this team, he was a top 15 to tight end. Now he's going as like the 20th or the 70th tight end off the board. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I currently have him ranked right around tight end 15, a little bit above that. I think he has the upside to finish as a top 10 tight end. And I think you can get him in those late rounds of your drafts. Go get yourself some John Wu Smith. Before we get into the last guy, take a second of your time, hit that like button, relax, rub your shoulders, let them go back a little bit, smash the big old subscribe button that just popped up on the screen. And if you will, check out the Supreme Draft Guide. It's down below, just $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. If you like this type of a video, if you like myself, if you like the analysis I'm doing, if you think it's informative, the Supreme Draft Guide is kind of where I house all of my thoughts in an organized manner from rankings to tiers to player profiles to statistics, all this stuff. You can go ahead, you can roam around in there. It's also going to be improving throughout the offseason. So if you're getting it right now, there's going to be more content in there a month from now for no extra charge. I'm going to be adding some uh, premium podcasts and premium articles, some more player profiles, a bunch of stuff are going to be on there. So be sure to check it out. Link down below. Thank you all so much. And thank you to Monkey Knife Fight, who I actually happen to be wearing their shirt in this one, wasn't planning. I just happened to. That's their logo up above. You can check it out. They're sponsoring the Supreme Draft Guide for 2020 Fantasy Football and go ahead and get it. What are you waiting for? Take Hit the pause button right now. Go get it. At least open a new link in your browser down below. So let's talk about Hayden Hurst and I'll give you a few honorable mentions because honestly, like I'm waiting on tight end this year. Oh, Sal, where's Tyler Higby? Tyler Higby's currently being ta- drafted as a top eight tight end in fantasy drafts. There's not much value there on the bone in my opinion. The value right now, the sweet spot of tight ends is the two guys I just mentioned, Johnny Smith, Mike Gusecki, Hayden Hurst is on the screen, and then a couple of other guys that I'll talk about as honorable mentions very briefly in a second. But Hayden Hurst right now is currently going off the board as a tight end 15. I currently have Hayden Hurst as a borderline top 10. Honestly, at one point this year, I had him as a top eight tight end. I'm going to put him right around probably the 10th ranked tight end. So I'm going to be above market by a good margin. Last year in 16 games, it's going to be hard to look at his sample and take anything from it. But what you can take is that this was an extremely efficient wide receiver. He played on 39% of the snaps, 30 receptions on 40 targets and 9.4% target share. He had 349 yards and two touchdowns. Now he's a former first round pick, right? Former first round pick taken out of South Carolina. This is what he did in his final year at South Carolina. 44 receptions of 15.9% target share, 12.7 yards per reception, which is very good, 559 yards and two touchdowns. He was also ranked 14th in yards per reception last season overall amongst tight ends. And this is where more efficiency starts to come in for Hayden Hurst. He was sixth in yards per routes run against for tight ends. He was seventh in fantasy points per route run. He was seventh in yards per target. So this was a very efficient receiver at one, getting downfield, two, getting separation, and three, just opening it up and actually being able to catch the balls from his his quarterbacks. So similar to Johnny Smith and his draft capital shows that based on how athletic 
like he was to just getting downfield, getting separation, and then actually being able to catch the ball and having a high catch percentage. Now he's going to the number one offense in terms of last year's pass attempts per game. It sustained Austin Hooper in just 13 games as still a top six tight end. Even after missing three tight ends, he still finished as a top six tight end in that department. And it's a situation where vacated targets are what they are, right? People, you don't want to just automatically assume that he fills the void of Austin Hooper last year in those specific targets, but it's at least worth mentioning that the opportunity is there for him to take over with not much depth behind him. And Atlanta having the most production from last year still on the table in terms of their overall targets, the vacated targets. Now, Matt Ryan is as consistent as they come. You're going to get Matt Ryan here. You're going to get a passing offense. You know what you're getting in that department. 41.1 attempts per game last year. He ended up having 297.7 yards per game. I think he had like 10 games of 300 plus yards, which is tied for the most with Jameis, just insane, and 26 touchdown passes. Now, what else did Atlanta do in the offseason? Well, they lost Austin Hooper, who is now in Cleveland, going to be running two tight end sets with Kevin Skafanski in that run first offense. And there's not much depth right now at the tight end position uh, when you're in Atlanta. They also lost Luke Stocker. So they bring in Kerry Lee, who's a blocking tight end, I believe also a former Cleveland Brown. So they kind of flip tight ends there. But then they bring in Hayden Hurst, who's going to be the main pass catching tight end, at least it profiles out that way in this offense. The offense is likely to set up as one of the following. You're going to have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside with Russell Gage in the slot, Todd Gurley in the backfield and Hayden Hurst. Or you're going to have Calvin Ridley in the slot with Laquan Treadwell, who they acquired from the Vikings on the outside, Julio on the other outside, and still Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst on the field. So either way, Hayden Hurst is staying on the field. And if anything, he might get some slot usage as well. And then in the NFL draft, the only thing they did on offense was improve the offensive line, which they took two first round picks last year. One was injured for the first four weeks of the season. And then the second one was just a complete bust with their second uh, pick in the first round from last year. But we'll see if those guys now entering their second year can one, stay healthy, but two, improve. And then finally, the target competition for Hayden Hurst, it is going to be a good deal, right? You're going to have for tight ends, at least it's going to be Hayden Hurst, Damian Graham. It's going to be Kerry Lee. So no real threat there from tight end he should be the guy on the field for most part but out of the receivers is where it starts to come in with Julio Jones Calvin Ridley and then you end up still having Laquan Treadwell Russell Gage and even Todd Gurley out of the backfield so there's lots of mouths here in terms of the wide receiver positions Julio last year ended up having 99 receptions 1394 yards and six touchdowns 156 targets you can pretty much tally in Julio for like 140 targets to 150 if he doesn't miss all that many games like if Julio plays 16 games he's probably seeing 150 targets but that shouldn't really affect Hayden Hurst all that much thing that could affect Hayden Hurst a little bit is if Calvin Ridley just goes eruption mode and really really becomes a a prime time number two receiver which he was trending to do last year before getting injured he averaged 4.8 receptions per game 67 yards per game and had seven touchdowns through just 13 games a 17.7 percent market share you have russell gage there who after muhammad sanu left averaged eight targets per game during the final six weeks he really started to see a lot of targets he had one touchdown he also dropped the touchdown laquan treadwell they acquired from the vikings you can see all these guys on the screen and then austin hooper last year here is his stats in 13 games third in fantasy points per game third in red zone reception six sixth in yards, sixth in targets, and fifth in receptions amongst tight ends. Just when you're in an offense like this, you're going to see a ton of targets. It's, it's pretty much that simple. You're going to see a ton of targets. You're going to see a ton of receptions, which just translates to yards, red zone targets, touchdowns, all those things. So Hayden Hurst right now, for me, the way that it profiles out, you're putting him into an offense last year that sustained borderline a top five tight end in 13 games. If Hooper were to continue his 16 game pace, he would have been a borderline top three tight end last year. And Hayden Hurst is a better tight end than Austin Hooper in terms of athleticism, pure athleticism coming out of the draft. Draft capital just proves that. So now you put Hayden Hurst into this spot. And if he's going to gel with Matt Ryan, pretty quickly. He's going to be a guy who, in my opinion, pushes as easily, easily a top 10 tight end in this offense, as long as he just scores like four to five touchdowns. And based on the target share, I think he gets in commands. I think he does somewhere maybe around a 15% target share. But the upside of honestly being a top five tight end, like you saw from Hooper last year, because of just a pure passing volume in this offense. So he's currently going off the board as tight end 15. I currently have him, I think as like my tight end nine right now, which sounds crazy, but yes, this is another must draft tight end for me based on those values. Now, a couple of honorable mentions, because I think drafting tight ends late, just snagging two tight ends late is a good idea 
idea. If you have a really deep bench, then just draft three tight ends late. I think that getting one of the three guys we mentioned is good. I'm really high on Chris Herndon this year. I like him. I like Ian Thomas. And an even later round dart throw that I think has a lot of upside because there's just not a lot of passing threats or passing validity guys in this offense is going to be the Green Bay Packers, Jay Sternberger. And then you could even throw Blake Jarwin into that matter. These are seven guys that are currently being, being taken in drafts at like the tight end 14 position or later. So go ahead and snag two of these guys because there's a great chance all these younger guys who Blake Jarwin stepping into a starting tight end role. Jay Sternberger starting stepping into a starting tight end role. Ian Thomas finally stepping into a full season as a starting tight end. What is the trend here? Hayden Hurst stepping into a season as a starting tight end after being a backup last year to Mark Andrews. Another trend here, John Smith, a full season as a starting tight end after the first month he wasn't used and Delaney Walker was still looming around the Titans offense. And then you have Mike Gusecki who finally just broke out last year in an offense that is now improved. The, the trend here is that young tight ends that take one to two years to develop are now get stepping into their team's uh, starting tight end role and potentially being like a John Smith or a Mike Gusecki, the second or third options commanding second or third target shares on their team. These are all guys that have fantastic upside and they're being taken at like tight, tight end 15 to tight end 25. Just get two tight ends in those late rounds. That is the must draft tight end strategy for the 2020 fantasy football season. I hope you enjoyed this video, everybody. Please be sure to hit that like button before you go. Smash the subscribe button and let me know who is your must draft tight end for this year. Let me know in the comment section down below. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide banner just popped up on the screen. It is linked down below in the description. You get it for just $10. You just got this video for free. You can go and watch all my other ones on the 2020 fantasy football playlist that I have on my channel. But go ahead, dig into those. Go ahead, dig into the down below Supreme Draft Guide. I'm excited that it's finally out. Check it out. You're going to love it. My name is Sal. Peace out, gang, and I'll see you in the next one.